Welcome to Becoming Limitless. This is the podcast for entrepreneurs who want to optimize their brain and their body with biohacking. I'm going to teach you how to eliminate brain fog and upgrade your health so you can have more productivity, energy, and growth in your business. I'm your host, Tanessa Shears. Let's jump in. Welcome back to the Becoming Limitless podcast. Today's episode is super special. It is a live coaching session that I did with Jordan. Now, Jordan is not one of my clients, but a couple of months ago, I put out a call on my Instagram if anyone wanted to be, come on the podcast and get coached live. And this conversation was so good that I cannot wait to share it with you. We are going to be going over the secret to changing any habit. And throughout the episode, you are going to hear me peel back layer after layer after layer, really digging into what is going on and what is keeping Jordan from implementing some of the things that she knows are going to make her feel so much better. So you'll hear in the beginning that she wants to talk about bringing down her stress and her HRV and her numbers and everything like that and how it's comparing to her husband. But then we start to dig in on her breakfast and that she wants to consistently eat breakfast, but she's struggling because she has the identity of someone who's never eaten breakfast. And her perfectionist mentality is asking of her to eat breakfast at the same time every day or none at all. So through this episode, you are going to see me explore her thinking and her brain and help her put in sustainable practical strategies that not only help her implement and change this habit for good, but help fundamentally shift how she experiences stress and how she views her identity with her health. It is such a good episode and I cannot wait for you to listen. So let's jump in. I'll let Jordan introduce herself. Tell us a little bit about who you are, what you do, and we'll get rolling. All right. Um, I am Jordan Wild. So I am an in-home organizer based out of Houston, Texas. Uh, so during the day, that's what I do. I go into people's homes and help them create systems in their home to help their families run more smoothly. Um, on top of being an organizer, I also have three kids. So I have a six-year-old in kindergarten, a three-and-a-half-year-old in pre-K three, and then a one-year-old who also goes to school a few days a week. And so uh, as soon as school ends, I am on mom duty pretty much until bedtime. Um, I have a husband as well, but he works pretty long hours. And so he typically isn't home till like an hour before the kids go to bed at most. Um, So that's a big part of my life and kind of what I do on a daily basis. Oh, that's awesome. Thank you so much for sharing. So let's start off the top. What is the problem that we're trying to solve? Let's start there. So I think my main problem, I have an aura ring and I've had one maybe about a year. I don't know. My husband's had one for a very long time. We are pretty nerdy in our house. (laughs) And since getting it, we very often will compare like different things, like our sleep scores and everything. And I typically will beat him on sleep, but he is dominating me in HRV. My HRV is consistently very low. Even when like we went on vacation, um, which was actually a fantastic trip vacation with our kids. It was really relaxing. I was like, gotcha. This has got to be it. This has got to help me increase my HRV. No change. I was really surprised by that. Um, And so I feel like I try different things 
throughout the day, um, different ways to kind of bring my stress level down. And my HRV is consistently in the 20s and 30s. Okay. So when you say um, to bring my stress level down, tell me a little bit about kind of what your experiences with stress in your life. You can tell me like family, business, whatever you feel applies. Um, so probably this is like another factor too. Um, in November, I noticed my anxiety was like through the roof. Um, I'm a very logical person, which being an organizer. So I logically understand, like I am freaking out right now. I cannot get my heart rate down. I can't get my anxiety down. Um, so end of November, I started working with a therapist on that and trying to come up with strategies solely for like handling the anxiety. Um, which I feel like is getting better. I'm improving a lot on that. Um, But I feel like in terms of stress, and it's mainly like childcare kid related stress. Um, My business, I feel like I do a really good job of kind of pushing that to the side. Uh, Formerly, before I started my business, I was a stay at home mom. And so trying to get out of that mindset of being solely a stay-at-home mom is really hard. Um, So my business is the thing that gets pushed to the side more often. Um, But my stress levels get higher when it comes to taking care of my kids. That's like the bigger thing that causes stress in my life, I feel like. Um, Because personally for me, that's something I don't want to mess up. And so I get nervous about messing that up, increases my anxiety, all of that. Yeah. What are you finding that's working best for your anxiety right now? And are you noticing a difference in HRV? And I think we should preface by, um, if you're listening and you don't know what HRV is, HRV stands for heart rate variability. And it's basically measures if your body is in fight or flight or it's not. So if your HRV is lower, it's tended to correlate higher with higher levels of fight or flight in the body. And if it's higher, less fight or flight. So if you were to notice, is there anything specifically that was working better to take your anxiety down? And did you notice a difference in your HRV? So I was just glancing through uh, my aura ring data and my HRV, and it's like very consistent twenties and thirties. I've noticed like a lot of things like simplifying different things in my life. Like I've simplified a lot about how I cook. Um, it's like very simple right now. It's like protein for dinner. It's like protein, carb and vegetable, and then fruit also for kids because they're kids. Um, but so like simplifying a lot of things has helped a lot. Like putting my phone down has helped my anxiety a lot. I put it down now after school and I don't check email. I don't check Instagram. I don't check those things. Um, typically until the next day, I really try to keep my phone away through the evening um, but it doesn't really make a change in my HRV. Interesting. And so it brings my anxiety down a lot, kind of simplifying everything and trying to be present in situations, but it does not make a change in my HRV. Okay. So when you're looking at your HRV, um, and I know for on, on the, the uh, app for aura, it shows a graph over time, meaning like mm-hmm. over the last four weeks or eight weeks or whatever like that. Do you notice that this number HRV, does it pretty much stay steady week to week? Or do you find that it's downtrending, uptrending? What does it generally do? So in the past, like, we get, so it's almost like an upside down bell curve right now. So it was a little bit higher. And by high, I mean, like, the highest it shows it's like 35 so it was a little higher it went down and now it's starting to trend back up a little bit 
Yeah. Okay. Interesting. And then one other question before we start jumping into some other Mm -hmm. uh, things here is where do you think it was that you learned that a low HRV was something that you should be worried about? I read it somewhere. I think I've read it through like the aura ring stuff that they put out. Um, Honestly, the main piece of it was probably my husband. He is nerdier on the aura ring than I am. Um, And I think it's kind of when we started comparing our HRVs, he was like, whoa, why is your so low? Like what is going on? Yeah. So this is, I think one of the biggest things that really opened my eyes is um, there's a researcher, his name is Dr. Jay Wiles, and he is one of the leading research researchers in HRV and how we can use it. And one of the things that I think is super important to know is that there is no such thing as comparing HRVs. Okay. So it is like your eye color. You're born with your trend, meaning like if your trend sits at a, at a baseline of around 20, that is your baseline. Okay. If your husband's, where does his sit? Like in the, where does his sit? Like in the sixties. Okay. That is his baseline. I have a friend and her sits at 115. Oh my gosh. Right. And so interesting. Isn't it though? Because I find, isn't that just the devil of comparison? Because right away we hear lower HRV is bad, which means your body is more stressed out. Higher is good. Mine are in my twenties. I must be doing something wrong, but I'm going to tell you Mm -hmm. about a third of my clients trend around 20 to 30 average. And that's always their first concern is what's wrong. Yeah. And here's the thing I think that's most important to know about HRV is that you want to look at the trend over time. And when we are looking at the trend over time, we are looking at a two month snapshot as your baseline. So a lot of the times we get these are, especially when we get devices and they're new, we don't even have the baseline yet, but you've had yours for about a year, you said, and you have Mm -hmm. a consistent baseline and you'll notice like aura ring specifically will give you monthly reports and quarterly reports and yearly reports, and you will get to start see, you will see your baseline. So what we want to start doing is looking at, okay, this is my baseline And we want to look at fluctuations around your baseline. And that is what we look at for information. So how we can start to look at this, for example, is let's say your average is 20, just for a nice round number. Mm -hmm. So that's your average. So what we start to look at are what I call yellow flags and red flags. Yellow flags are when you see a change in your HRV of about 20%. So on a 20 HRV, that would be anytime you see it drop below 16, that's when you're going, huh, what happened? Something affected my body a little bit. And this doesn't even mean we act on it. We're just like interesting. And things that might do that are a really hard workout. You ate too close to bed. You exercise too close to bed. You went to bed and you stressed out the whole night and you were your sleep was interrupted throughout the night. Like all of these things can cause us to have a 20% drop. So I look at those as like yellow flags. And then there's red flags. Red flags are a 40% drop. So if your baseline was about a 20, that would be looking at if it gets below 12. And if it's getting below 12, you're looking at something like I am likely sick, I am likely injured, or I am under extreme stress. And even then... If you see a single drop like that, we're not looking at it and going, oh my gosh, we have this huge drop. What should I do? We look at a seven day moving average. And the really cool thing is that graph that we were just talking about that the aura ring produces shows you your seven day moving average. 
So what we start to look at is let's just say your baseline of 20 is normal. What we start to look at is the next week, does it go down? Like, did you see a drop in HRV and did it sustain for the whole week? That says to me, your body might be under a little bit of stress. So is this making sense so far? Are you having any insights, aha moments off of this? Yes. I mean, definitely. I'm like looking at all my data kind of stuff looking, but that makes perfect sense. I mean, everything else as we nerd out and compare stuff is different. Our heart rates are constantly different. And I just know my heart rate is consistently higher than his. That's not bad or good. It just is. Yeah. Right. And here's something you notice how one of the things you said earlier was like, I have this like upside down U-shaped curve. Mm -hmm. So here's something that it applies to if you have an active menstrual cycle. So when we start our periods, we'll call that day one, you will naturally from there through ovulation, get an increase in HRV. Then what happens is in the last half of your cycle. So the two weeks before your period starts, your body produces more cortisol. So what happens? Your HRV drops. Interesting. So you will not even have a traditional tight Mm -hmm. baseline that you would compare to your husband because he has a 24 hour hormone cycle and we have a 28 to 30. And so we're looking at our totally normal graphs and going, Hey, what's wrong with mine? It's not looks anything like that. It's up and it's down, but this up and it's down is literally the cycling of our hormones throughout the month. So you are totally going to get a, um, like a sine wave, like up, down, up, down, up, down Mm -hmm. as you look over the months. Now, can you see that if you look at your data? Yes, absolutely. Right. Isn't it nice to know that like, oh my gosh, this is, this is all normal. That's so interesting to know. Cause I've already noticed that with my body temperature does that it goes up right before my cycle and comes back down. And I've already noticed that. Um, I just didn't know HRV. I mean, it makes sense that it does that, but I didn't know that it did that. Yeah. And the other really interesting thing is right before your cycle starts, you'll notice your breathing rate will increase. And also your resting heart rate. So interesting. all of these changes happen. So first thing that I want to say right off the bat is these are normal, normal fluctuations, normal changes. There is nothing wrong with 20. Now let's also go into the second part of your conversation, which is like, okay, what can I actually do to just increase my HRV? Now, I also mm-hmm. want to think that like, at the same time, the goal is not infinite increases in HRV. I definitely think we can move what we call our rolling average up. And so first thing I wanted to do was just validate that like, you're doing everything right. There's nothing wrong. 20 is not crazy. I get people say that all the time. But then the second part is like, okay, I get that 20 is here. Can I get it to 25? Like, is it possible given the rolling cycles throughout the month? So I think it's going to look at First thing we need to recognize is that there are things that affect it. And so we can go through a bunch of these strategies here and maybe we can put together a plan of like stuff we can implement. So the first one that will affect your HRV, funny enough, is season. So we're in winter right now where it is dark until 8 a.m. I'm not sure if it's pretty much like that where you, I'm not much further north, but it's dark in the morning, Um, it's dark at night. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's definitely darker, longer here um, than say in the summer. Um, yeah. but I mean, it's, it's very cold today and dreary, but typically, um, here in Houston, we get a lot more sun than a lot of the rest of the country and we don't get a lot of cold. Yeah, definitely. But it also has to do, I think with like light. 
So light is a really mm-hmm. potent source of information to our brain. And unless, you know, depending if you're living right near the equator, it might not affect you as much, but anybody in pretty much North America for the most part will experience those seasonal cycles of light and light tells our brain to turn off melatonin, feel alert and awake, boost serotonin. We're going to feel really good right now. All you're more active, right? We generally eat more in the winter. It's darker. We're probably at home a lot more. You're sick more often in the winter. Mm-hmm. Like there are so many seasonal things that affect that. So that's kind of one of those things where we're like, okay, naturally, what can we take from this? Well, this is telling us that in the summer, if we're spending time outside, it's likely going to help our HRV. So that's one of the things we can look at. So I guess the first question I'll ask is, do you get to spend much time outside? I mean, given that it's winter, but do you get to spend a lot of time outside? Um, no, I do not spend as much out time, out time outside as I should. I've like gone through phases of trying to do it after listening to your podcast. Um, but yeah, just, I feel like there's a lot of time constraints for me on that. And that's what makes it more difficult to get myself outside. Yeah. What was the goal you set before when you were attempting to do it, but found it hard to fit into your schedule? Um, so when I was doing it, um, I was, it worked for a couple of days a week. So there's two days a week that my younger two don't go to school and we have a nanny come to the house. So between my husband taking my older one and the nanny coming, I would go on a walk with the younger two, but one of them refuses to sit in the stroller. And I was just getting frustrated with our speed of the walk. It was really, which I like, no, that's not the point of it. The point was to get light in my eyes. But man, he was really frustrating me. So um, we had it going for a while. I don't know why we stopped. I think it was rainy for like a few days and then it just kind of stopped. Yeah. So it was hard to get out when it was so rainy. Yeah, totally. Fair enough. So what are you telling yourself the conditions that must be met to go on the walk? So it was easier to do on those two days because I had the kids. The days when it's harder are when all of them are in school because as soon as they're in school, I want to get to work. Like that is the time constraint. I have a school day to work. And so when I have a long list that I need to do for work, I have a really hard time using that time for other things. Well, is that something you even want to do? Because it's okay if we don't, right? Is that something you're like, well, hey, a 10 minute walk would fit in good here, or I'm happy doing work during this time. No wrong answer to that. Um, I know that it would be good for me to like get outside and go do that, go do that. Um, but I am someone, if I don't do it, like first thing, right after I drop them off, it's not going to happen. Like once I get in the flow of working, if I don't have a client that day, I'm working. Yeah. Well, I mean, is that something that you want a bit of coaching around doing that? Or is that like, you know what? It's not top priority. That's okay too. It's probably not top priority right now. Okay. What do you see as a habit to introduce that you feel would help with your resilience, your stress that would be worth introducing? Um, I do think, cause I mentioned, and I think you mentioned about like my nutrition and stuff that I normally like. So when I eat, I do feel like I eat pretty well. Um, I feel like I've gotten like a really good mindset around food too, that I'm not like overly restrictive. My big issue is when I feel like I don't have the time. So like currently breakfast is a huge issue right now. Cause I, I wake up early and mm-hmm. I try to use that time for me. And then once the kids get up, I'm getting them ready, getting them out the door to school. And 
it's hard to find the time to not only make, but like feed myself breakfast. Mm -hmm. And so then I go until if I have a client, I go until one without eating, which is probably not the best thing for my body. Um, so maybe getting some of that, some strategies figured out for that, making sure, because I think the biggest mind block for me or block for this is I want to eat things that help my body feel good. I know a lot of the things that I can eat quickly, I'm not going to feel good. So I'd rather just not eat. Yeah, I get that on that. Okay. So the interesting thing that you're tied this into is one of the um, strategies for boosting HRV is consistent mealtimes. Because naturally, if you think about intermittent fasting, which is essentially, it sounds like you're doing intermittent, intermittent fasting, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> but essentially what you're doing in that is the body is actually put into fight or flight. So generally when I work with clients and they will be high stress in general, um, or they will have demanding work or a lot of responsibilities, I actually advise against intermittent fasting because one of the contraindications is that it. Uh, is for not to be under a lot of stress because it adds stress to our body. So right. consistent meal times is something that intuitively you've identified, which is kind of yeah. neat, but now it's just like, okay, but what do I do about the strategy part of it? Got you. Okay. Mm -hmm. So let's start with this. So it sounds like sometimes it works, right? Sometimes breakfast works and sometimes it doesn't. Yes. I think the hardest part, which is probably not a good thing. I'm also not at all hungry when I get up. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, I love coffee too. So I've re like, I've started, I make myself drink water before I drink my coffee. And I mean, it is like I chug water so I can get to my coffee. It is not even for a caffeine fix. I just love the taste of coffee. And yeah. I'm like that so too. I my decaf coffee. <laughs> I hear you. Um, okay. So yeah. one of the things that I will usually highlight is that, um, that hunger you experience in the morning is usually just habit. Meaning okay. like it's, it would be totally normal if you like started eating a consistent breakfast and it felt like you were full at that time. And that is something that will shift because we have hormones specifically. There's a hormone called ghrelin that when it is high, we get hungry. So naturally, if you're not eating and practicing intermittent fasting, the timing of those hormones shifts. So I think really that's part one is it is just that inconsistency that your body is not like, okay, food is coming. Let's prepare. So I think that's mm -hmm. part one of it. Um, part two. So let, let's talk about the mornings that you do have breakfast. What is working about those mornings? Why is it working on those mornings? Um, so the mornings, it, it honestly comes down to a time thing. So the mornings that I can make it work are typically days where all the kids are at school and I'm working from home. So I don't have a client that day. And so I drop them off and then I can come home and I... Like I said, if I do it first thing when I get home, I will get things done. And so I'll like Monday, I like made myself some eggs. I'd like leftover bacon from the weekend and did that um, and had some avocado. And I was like, perfect, done. And so like that went well because of the time. I have a hard time. Like I could do it before they get up. But then I run into that issue of like, I'm not hungry. So then I'm just making it. But I mean, it sounds like if I ate at that point, I would create the habit of being hungry first thing in the morning. Yes, that's definitely part of it. So, okay. Tell me when you have the time to make breakfast, what are you usually making? It says you sounded like you had avocado, um, some leftover bacon. What else was it? Um, eggs. I sometimes I'm gluten-free. So I sometimes do a piece of like gluten-free toast. Um, 
And when it's warmer, I do smoothies a lot. And that normally goes well. Um, I just have a hard time making them when it's so cold. What is it about um, the smoothies that work so well? Um, I feel like it's not, I don't feel like I have to like force it down as much. I feel like I can make it and it can like last for a while. Um, I can kind of eat it while I'm working sometimes, which is really helpful or while, um, a lot of times when it's warmer, I'll make it first thing in the morning, have it in the car. So I can like on the way to a client's house, I can drink it. I can drink it while I'm there. That is really helpful. Okay. So it sounds like the smoothie, it's not so much the smoothie itself, but it's like that it's easy to prepare and you can eat it Mm -hmm. on the go. Yes. Okay. So what else can you eat on the go? That is something you could have for breakfast. Like if we're looking at the idea of keeping an egg in there, like what are some other options Mm -hmm. that we could come up with that would be easier to eat on the go? See, the hard thing is when I'm like, okay, I need to eat something. I normally like pop a piece of toast in because I can grab that and go. But like always in the back of my head, it's like, I need something else. Like this isn't what I should be eating. And so it's like, I'm fighting myself on that. But I'm also like, okay, I know I need to eat because I'm not going to have an opportunity to eat until one o'clock. Yeah. That kind of thing. Um, I have done hard boiled eggs in the past and that's worked well. But then I run into same thing. A lot of this is like fighting myself because I'm like, okay, I need to add like more vegetables in this or like add something else to it. And I'm like fighting myself on it. because I'm like, okay, but I need something easy to do with that. And that's where I get stuck. Like I, a lot of times it's a lot easier if I don't need a fork to eat it, if I can just like pop it in my mouth. (laughs) So maybe let's, let's, let's dive into this a little bit. Why are you in a rush? Either I'm getting all the kids out the door and then I have a client's house to be at. So I genuinely am in a rush um, in terms of, so from when my kids wake up till we leave is 30 minutes. I have that 30 minutes nailed down. We power through everything. Um, And so I'm not, if I'm not coming back home, there's not a lot of time for me to get what I need done. And I feel like anything before they get up, I'm just like fighting till the last second to get time to myself. I normally like read a fiction book first thing in the morning after I work out. That's my favorite thing to do. And I'm like fighting till the last second. I'm always like, okay, what am I making them for breakfast? What is the last second that I can start that so that I get as much of this time in the morning to myself? Yeah. Can I make an observation? Yes. Yeah. So one of the original things that we were talking about was this idea of HRV and being under stress. Yes. Now, this stress is a feeling. What is it usually accompanied by? You, you've touched on the idea that there's anxiety in there. Mm-hmm. Um, rush is definitely a part of it. What are the other consistent yes. feelings? It seems like, is this just centered to your mornings or does this seem to span throughout your day? Um, It's not just centered to my mornings. Absolutely not. Um. The feeling of rush is definitely worse when I feel stressed. I feel very rushed. I get really short with everyone. Um, I mean, I'm sure my husband could name a lot of things that it makes me. Um, But a lot of it too with the anxiety goes to, which is where the rush comes in, is to the worry about what's going to happen, not like focused on what's happening right then. I am like a big worry about the future person 
not focused on the moment person. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about that worry about the future person. Um, so a piece of it is like, I'm in charge of what's happening in the future. So like if, so like this morning, my kindergartner had a hundredth day of school. So like, I'm the one that has to remember he needs to get on his hundred day shirt. So we had to make shirts for it. And like, he's got to remember to get that on. He has to remember his snack. He has to remember his water. He like, there's just all these things going through my head. So like that 30 minutes is packed because my head is constantly going of like all the things that I have to be thinking about what's happening today to make sure we all have what we need. And like, even for me, I was like, okay, I had this, like I had another meeting before this. So I'm like, okay, I need to make sure I have my stuff upstairs. So it's ready to go. I had to take my youngest to speech or not youngest. Oh my gosh, middle one to speech. So I needed to be ready to get home and go straight upstairs and do all this. And so I'm constantly thinking about like what has to happen and what all the moving parts are. Yeah, I totally get that. So when, when that is the state of your thoughts in your brain, it's creating that stress, that anxiety and that rush and being short with everyone. I identify with that. I mean, it's sometimes it's hard and you're trying to get everyone out the door and somebody forgets something and you're running back upstairs. I get it. So I want to zone in on your mornings. I think just because you said it was all day, which is fair enough, but I think it will be more applicable if we can think of an example. Yes. I also am someone, I feel like if I can get my mornings set, it really sets up the rest of my day. Like if my morning goes well, if I wake up, I work out, I get some good reading time in breakfast goes smooth. Like I feel it go through the rest of my day. And if the morning does not feel successful, I feel like that goes through the rest of my day. Okay. Um, so I'm curious, like if you picture your mornings, cause I'm, I'm kind of, we're digging down, right? First it was, yeah, yeah. I feel stress and it was okay, but maybe it's the food. Okay. But why isn't the food happening? Okay. Well, it's because I'm, mm-hmm. I'm in such a rush. Okay. Why are we in a rush? We're, we're digging. Yeah, so absolutely. Let, let's, let's dig in on this. So if you picture your mornings, how do you want to feel in your mornings? I want them to go smoothly, which I do feel, but the feeling is more like, like a calm feeling. Mm -hmm. Like when they go well, it's like one thing happens and the other than the other. Um, And whether it's good, bad, I feel like sometimes it's even what happens before that starts. So like my three-year-old was in our bed at four o'clock this morning, not normal, but he needed something. I don't know. But like, uh-huh. so that I feel like spiraled morning of like, he was up at four and then five thirty, And then, and so like, it's like, there's other things that happen that cause it. I understand like he is three, like, and my reaction is like how I react, not his fault. Totally get that but it feels like it's outside things that come in when I like wake up on my own and then I get to work out and then it's like the house is quiet and I get all this time. I feel like it helps that morning go more smoothly. And like we politely come downstairs and eat our breakfast and nobody's crying. And, you know, (laughs) we've done what we need to do first thing in the morning. And that's, you know, some mornings that happens and some mornings that don't. And there's lots of factors in there that I can't control. And I totally get that. And so 
part of I'm working on like, what can I control out of this? Well, so here's the interesting thing. And I often use this a lot of time in work is that I'm going to use the word your brain, because I think your brain is separate from you. You can hear okay. your brain thinking, which means I think who we are and our, our goodness and our wholeness is separate. And then there's our brain who's trying to run this show over here. Now I want you to kind of watch what your brain is doing. If all of these external circumstances go this way, I feel stressed. If these circumstances go this way, I feel calm. But I mm -hmm. want you to consider this. Does, let's just say, if um, your three-year-old in your bed at 4 a.m., does that have any control over the sentences that are happening in your head? No, it doesn't have control over it. Right. But our brains, not us, our brains tell us that that thing caused this feeling and that thing caused this feeling. So when these things happen, I feel stressed. And when these things happen, I feel calm. But let's just, let's just bring this for your brain for a second. Could there be someone who had a morning that was just as rushed as yours in your, what your perception would be, mm -hmm. but would be like completely neutral to it? Oh, absolutely. Right. So what is the difference, do you think, between someone who would experience the same set of circumstances and feel totally laid back, whereas your brain likes to create rushed? What do you think the difference is? I mean, their mindset around everything and how they respond to it. Yeah. And it's even simpler than that. It's what is the sentences that happen in my head? Because I want you to think about this because I was writing down some of the sentences your brain is saying. Mm -hmm. And I want, let's just say, let's just say, even if I had the perfect set of circumstances in the morning and your brain went, and some of these are paraphrased. Mm -hmm. I'm in charge of what's happening in the future. I need to keep all the balls up in the air. I have to remember everything. I'm responsible for everything to make sure we have what we need. This will set the rest of the day up for success if everything goes right. And if this morning is not successful, the rest of the day is going to be completely thrown off. And can you see it's those sentences that are creating stress and rush mm -hmm. and anxiety yes. and feeling short. Now, I asked you what you wanted to feel and you said calm. What sentences would need to be happening in your brain to create calm? Ooh, that is a very good question. Because um, currently when it does happen, it's like I've been doing yoga in the morning when I get that time and I'm like fully present during that time. It's like, okay, I can now like my body is calmed down. I can feel calm through can it. Can I challenge you? That's a circumstance. Yes. I know. It's, okay. a, it's, a, it's a situation in which your brain has an easier time choosing those. Correct. I love that. That's a, such a good <laughs> distinction there. You're like, when things go like this, I have such an easier time choosing good thoughts. So clearly there's actually some perfectionism in my brain that is constantly going on. You're not an entrepreneur, are you? <laughs> I was going to say it makes me a really good entrepreneur um, and a really good organizer. But... <laughs> Yes, I have a really hard time when things go wrong and my brain spirals. Um, I'm trying to think because I had a situation recently that I could have spiraled and made it terrible and I didn't. And I'm trying to figure out what kinds of things 
it's a different situation, but it's one of those where um, someone's got some medical issues going on, but we don't have a lot of information. And so I could have spiraled of like, okay, this is going to be a huge issue. And I didn't, I did remain calm during all this. Um, and I'm trying to think like what kinds of things I did. Cause that was a potentially very stressful situation. I'm going to, I'm going to give you an example. It might be easier. I want you to, okay. picture you woke up at five 30 in the morning. The house is mm-hmm. so quiet. You had your water and then your coffee. And you're like, I have like a whole hour to myself and you do your yoga. And at the end, what are you feeling? You're feeling calm. What are you thinking mm-hmm. in that moment? I mean, I'm thinking like, okay, today is going to be a good day. Like I have, I can feel calm right now. That honestly is like what goes through my head. Those are like the sentences through my head in that situation, but I have a hard time taking a different situation and changing the sentences. Yeah. Are you aware that it's those sentences creating stress, anxiety, and rush? Like, is there that step out and be like, okay, I'm feeling stressed right now and I'm feeling anxious and I'm feeling rushed. What are we thinking right now? No. So I can step back and say like, okay, I'm feeling all this, but I haven't made the connection that it's what's going on in my head. Maybe a little bit, but not to the point of like, I need to change the sentences in my head. Like I understand what I'm thinking is affecting all of this. Yeah. And it's not even like, I need to change this, but just like, if you could take one thing away, it's that my brain is causing this because all of a sudden when, if you, if your brain, we can get your brain on board to be like, that's true. And all of a sudden Mm -hmm. at any time you're feeling like, I, I get, I've experienced anxiety. I know it's that tightness breath is short. Mm-hmm. It's just, if every neck feels tight, like it's a quickening, I can feel this happening in my body. And I'm like, what am I thinking right now? Cause I had it earlier today. And I noticed my brain was like, you're never going to get through everything today. Well, if I have that going on in my head, of course, I'm going to feel mm-hmm. like this. And so I come at it with compassion. I think the first step, like our brains want to know, like, how can I change this? Like our, especially mm-hmm. our very organized brains. Like I love a good closet. That's why me and you vibe so well. <laughs> organized. Yes. Um, but like our brains are just like, okay, I get it. I need to see it happening. Now, how do I fix that? And is that going to take very long? And what are the steps? And Mm -hmm. do I need to bring out my journal in the morning? And did we see how our brain just really perpetuated that? So here's where I like to go with this. So our brain in the moment, we need to notice that like this feeling, I need to just take a step back. And what am I thinking? That is step one. And Think of it as week for the entire week. What you are mastering is, are you able to catch yourself and become aware and do it from the place of not trying to change it? Okay. Our brains are beautiful things in that sometimes all it takes is to see something and you can never unsee it. Some to see this pattern happening. So step one, catch yourself, notice, oh my gosh well, of course I feel like this. Look what I'm thinking right now. And then mm-hmm. step number two is this is where your, our brain is going to freak out at this. Thoughts are optional. Now, I don't mean the ones that are like your brain going, I have to remember everything because think how many times you've practiced that. You're really, really good at that. 
-hmm. and it is going to naturally pop up. And I don't want you to go, something has been gone wrong. I'm still thinking like this. And I've been aware for a week what's wrong. Yeah. Nothing has gone wrong. This is, think about this. You have a human brain doing a human brain's job. Its job is to keep you safe, seek out pleasure, and avoid pain. Being an entrepreneur, leading the lives we live that are full, is the exact opposite of that. Our brain wants us to go sit in a cave and eat all day. But doing the stuff we're doing, like becoming something bigger, growing, raising kids, being the lead in our family, it's exactly opposite of that. So I think it's our brain is like, oh, brain, you're being a brain. Nothing has (laughs) actually gone wrong in the fact that I'm still just becoming aware. Now, here's kind of where we separate that. You know, when you find yourself getting worried and then you Mm -hmm. follow yourself down the rabbit hole. Yeah. Versus that time you identified where you're like, I could stop it. Yeah. What you what you learned there was that thoughts are optional. You mm-hmm. never have to follow them. And so the big elaborate thing that our brain likes to come up is like, well, how do I change this thought? How do I stop this from happening? Here's the crazy thing. The fact that we think we need a how for that is a thought. <laughs> Hey, <laughs> it's not a fact. Isn't that crazy? Like the fact that I, I've, I've had people say before, but this is going to take a long time to change. I'm going to have to do morning routines on this forever. I'm going to have to, but what if all those are just thoughts? Like what if after today, your brain makes that connection that like, when I think I'm responsible for everything. And if this doesn't go right the rest of the day, so I have to keep everything so tightly managed. What if that thought, if we could just see it and be like, no brain, that's not true. And what if it didn't need to be any more complicated? Like, actually, like, if you asked yourself why we think it needs to be more complicated, what do you think? I mean, I think I am someone that constantly is trying to find like the answer or how to change something or, and so this is like a very different mindset to anything I've done it's like just be aware and just notice it and it's not I feel like my brain constantly is like how do I fix it how do I fix it how do I change it how do I make this better right and the one of the best questions you can ask yourself and I was asked this by my business coach one time she goes Tessa is this thing that I thought was a very big thing. And I was like, I can't grow my business because I have a baby. And every time I need to take on a new client, I have to call my mom and ask her if she will watch my daughter for another hour. Like big thing, never be able to be successful. <laughs> a couple years ago. And my uh-huh. coach looks at me, she's like, so why is this a problem? You have to call your mom. Like, is this the problem? Like we're, I was like, oh my God. So I love asking that question of when your brain is like, Oh my gosh. Oh my God. Well, why is this a problem? Like, actually, mm-hmm. like this doesn't have to be a problem. Right. And so yeah. let's, one thing that I then want to give you. So we have step one is catch yourself and it's just literally seeing it. Mm-hmm. Step two, I call just not choosing it. You don't have to choose to continue that. As soon as you are aware, you can make a different choice, which is why I say practice awareness until it feels good without the expectation that you need to change it. Then only if you want, you can start exploring 
different things that feel better because we also get to choose our thoughts on purpose. So I asked you in that moment of calm after your yoga is finished, what are you thinking? And you said, today's going to be a good day. Like if you were to think that right now, and here's the litmus test, if you genuinely think today's going to be a good day, does it make you feel the way you want to feel? Does it give you calm? Yes. Okay. Now we task your brain with choosing that thought on purpose and not like today's going to be a good day. Today's going to be a good day. Like (laughs) those mantras don't work. If you don't believe it, it does not work. So the task is then becoming, being able to find a thought that is believable. It's generally Mm -hmm. like, and, and sometimes thoughts like today is going to be a good day. Feel like a huge jump. Like (laughs) the morning's crazy. What do you mean? (laughs) But what about the thought? Like I can only do one thing at a time. Right. And thinking that, like, if you have two sides of a pendulum where one is stress, anxiety, and overwhelm, and the other is calm, what, what is one step better than stress and anxiety? Right. Maybe it's just rush. And what if we can just get to neutral? And that's the goal. What if we can just experience the morning and just be like, I can only do one thing at a time. Like, I, I, I have things to do. And I am doing the first one of those things right now and watching yeah. when your brain tries to tell you, but there's all the things. Yeah. So let's begin to tie this back. So we're looking at breakfast. Now I'm going to mm-hmm. ask you this. What is the reason breakfast isn't happening? For me? Yes. Be. Honestly, because I'm doing everything for everyone else. Once that wake up time hits, I'm like now full blown mom until I'm full blown work. And it sounds like you also just have a belief that breakfast isn't something for you. Probably. Because you're like, this time is for me. And then there's Mm -hmm. this time. And they're. And there may literally not, you can think all you want. There literally may not be enough time in that 30 minutes for breakfast. So instead of trying to cram something else into that 30 minutes, what about the idea that breakfast is for you? Like, what would you need to think about breakfast to make it important enough to put in that time in your morning? And and not just like, I should be doing this because somebody told me and I heard it on a podcast. I mean, like, I really like to check in and be like, why do you even want to eat breakfast? Is it important to you? It sounds like I like putting good food in my body. I know this is good for me and I matter, but not more than 30 minutes in the morning. So let's switch that up. What do you need to be thinking? Um, It's an interesting thing. So I have not eaten breakfast since high school. Mm-hmm. And I think it started almost as like a diet culture thing. Of course, right? It comes somewhere. I'm not going to eat breakfast because this is one meal I don't need to eat. I don't feel like I have that same mindset anymore, but it's just continued of, I am not someone who typically eats breakfast. So like, it feels like a big leap to be someone who eats breakfast. I do agree. I like to put good food in my body. It makes me feel good. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, it's been a hard jump to get from, I don't eat breakfast all the way to, I eat a nutritious breakfast that supports my body. Mm. What would be, a what would be the next step from where you are now? 
I see your question. Because <laughs> kind of with like my bringing my anxiety down, I'm trying to make everything simpler. But I haven't found good, simple solutions for breakfast mm -hmm. that can still fit into something that supports my body and helps me feel good. Well, what about this? And it's fun because generally you said it yourself that perfectionism is something that you you struggle with, right? Yes. Perfectionism absolutely. says I don't eat breakfast or I do eat breakfast. Correct. Could something else exist in between? Yes. Right. What could that be that what might be an obvious one? I mean, it could be, I sometimes eat breakfast. Yes. Right. Like how many days a week? Cause you said one of the limiting, the, the days that you have the time are the days when all the kids go to school and you don't have a client. Mm -hmm. What, how many days on average is that per week? One or two. Okay. Could you start there? Yes. Right. It's that idea of minimum baseline. It's I'm committing to one to two per week. And what if you just focused on that for the next two months? And at the end of two months, you could say, I eat breakfast twice a week. Then what might be an option? Three times a week. I know, right? And in the <laughs> meantime, you could have fun experimenting with different options, right? Because our brain mm -hmm. likes to go like, yeah, but it's because of the options too. But really, I think part of it is, is your brain is like, if I can't figure out the right solution that fits every day, there is no solution. Mm -hmm. Yes, that is what my brain says. Right? So what if you did your solution two days a week? That was your eggs, your bacon, and your avocado. Mm -hmm. And you enjoyed that two days a week and you celebrated that that was a success instead of telling yourself, but this isn't enough. It's not perfect. Because yeah. what ends up happening is as soon as we can't do it every day, we quit. Because it was just mm -hmm. easier to do it the other way. Yes. So I would start there. Then what I might consider is an other area. And I won't go too deep into it, but the idea that I hear you on this, the smoothie in the winter thing. It's just colder. <laughs> but what if your next step was I'm mastering two days a week? What if I just did two days a week of smoothie or an, an, that extra day was a smoothie? Meaning mm -hmm. maybe my job is not to be wildly in love with my breakfast. Maybe I just know it's good for me. And one day a week, I can do that. You know what I mean? Cause I often think that whole, like, if you even like go through your thinking on this, like smoothies in the winter aren't as enjoyable because they're cold. It's a thought you, there's nothing wrong with believing it and we can believe mm -hmm. it guilt-free. However, you have the opportunity to say, well, that's just a thought. And if smoothies are what work, I need to change my thought about it. Mm -hmm. Yes. So you could kind of look at that as like a step one, step two. Mm-hmm. So I'd yes, love to yes. hear, what is your brain coming up with? Questions. Honestly, one of the hardest things, I have such a hard time doing something a couple of days a week. Mm, like when, when I plan out my mornings, so I didn't end up working out this morning. My morning still went great, just fine. 
but I plan out every single day. And I'm okay when like, so I work out, I do yoga four to five times a week. So when I don't do it in the morning, it doesn't ruin anything. Hold on. That's still working. Yes, it's still working. Okay. Um, and my AirPods just died. <laughs> and so okay. um, I have such a hard time not planning things for the at least the five days of the work week. Um, and I feel like that, that's going to be a big change for me. Cause like that, I'm like an all or nothing person. I either want to do it every day or I don't logically what you're saying makes perfect sense. Like, yes, I can have breakfast one to two days a week. I can commit to doing it on these days that I don't have clients that I have the time to do it. But yeah, I think it's just going to take like the planning of it. And then committing to it. And why do you once think I it would be hard home, to do only two days a week? It's less work than seven days a week. Correct. It is. What do you think? It's just. I feel like I put things like that so much as part of my identity. I have a hard time with sometimes. Like I what decide, okay, I'm you're having about sometimes. This. The sentence is going through your head about sometimes. I mean, it's just the sentence of like, then I'm in this gray area of like, mm. like either I'm someone who eats breakfast every day or I'm someone who doesn't. And I think that's going to take like a huge mindset shift to be like, this is something I do sometimes. Could that be just a thought? It could be just a thought. Because what is, what is the problem your brain perceives with sometimes? just like an identity problem with it. But why is it an identity problem? I don't know. Ah, if you did know, let's take a guess. Let's take a guess at what it might be. I think maybe it could be part of my identity is that I, I just haven't eaten breakfast for so long mm -hmm. that I do this like intermittent fasting, if you will, without actually trying, like, yeah. Is it, does it just seem like, is your brain struggling with the idea that like doing something two times a week isn't consistent either way? Could it be that? Yes. Okay. I think so. I'm going to give you a new thought. Okay. Two times a week is consistent if done two times every week. Okay. I, yes. That makes sense. Right. So that's, uh -huh. it's, it, I identify as someone who works out. Mm -hmm. I only work out three times a week, maybe four. I don't work out seven days and I don't work out zero days. So what is my identity about working out then? It still is that you are a person who works out. Even if it's not seven days a week. Correct. How is that possible then? I love this. Your brain is being like, wait a second. <laughs> yes. Right. Cause I know you don't work out seven days a week. No, I don't, but I do identify as someone who exercises works and works out. Absolutely. Yeah. Could you just be someone that eats breakfast, even if it's only two times a week? Yes. 
Yeah. Why do you think your brain is struggling to grab onto that, to the food one when it so easily sees like, yeah, that makes sense for the exercise. I think because I used to be someone who did work out seven days a week. I have been through that. Um, How did you make that change? Honestly, it was COVID and just the change of all of society. And now our world looks totally different. That but you had a work. thought had about to... that too, right? There was a change in the world. Your brain changed its thought. Correct. But yeah, so I've never, and I've gone through periods of time with being pregnant and having kids and all that, where I'm not working out as consistently, but I've never changed my identity on that. I'm someone that works out. Right. So clearly you see that you have the capacity to change your own definitions of identity as well. Correct. So if you were to say, I am someone that eats breakfast twice a week, Mm -hmm. could we work on that becoming our identity? And remember that the same time is like, I don't eat breakfast rolls off the tongue because how many times have we thought that? Yes. Right. And it totally makes sense that I eat breakfast two times a week feels super weird. Yes, it does. And it's like that it feels really for it's only foreign because you haven't said it on repeat for years. Now, imagine what happened if every week you thought I eat breakfast twice a week and then you went and ate breakfast twice a week and we met three months from now and you had eaten breakfast twice a week. Do you think it's possible that you could believe that a little bit more? Yes, absolutely. So what you've done to help change that is given yourself um, evidence that Mm -hmm. this new identity is supported right now. All you have is evidence of someone who doesn't eat breakfast. So it's so easy for you to see, right. And it would be so easy for you to just flip to breakfast all the time, except that hasn't worked. So you keep defaulting back to the old identity. Mm -hmm. So in order to get to that new identity, you have to practice being Mm -hmm. that person, not only with thinking I can eat breakfast twice a week and that's okay but I'm also going to do it and give myself evidence for that because Mm -hmm. in a year from now, probably wouldn't feel so weird. No, no. So that's how you, that's that litmus test. You can kind of run Mm -hmm. and it starts by giving yourself evidence. Yes. Yes. All right. Biggest takeaway you've gotten today. I mean, I just think the biggest takeaway that I've gotten is like really on everything, even the, just this last conversation, taking a step back and being like, what, what is, what are the sentences going through my head and just catching them? I mean, even just as like that sentence of that, I'm someone who doesn't eat breakfast is holding back all of this that I can do. Yeah. I love that. Cause sometimes it just sees seeing things and being like, oh, it's hard to see everything in our own minds because it's so factual. It is mm-hmm. true. And how could anything else possibly be true if this is true? Yes. Right. So that's kind of the job is we just get to question our thinking. And I love constantly redeciding if I still want to keep the beliefs I have, mm-hmm. do they still serve me? Like, is this still working for me or do I want to choose something else? So I think the big things that we've gone through today is just really looking at when we are looking at outside things that we are attributing our internal emotional state to, if we can really see that the thoughts in our head are creating that experience, you have taken all of your power back from the world. Mm 
because the best piece of advice, coaching advice I was ever given, and I was given when I was pregnant with my first daughter was the best news that you can ever get is that your brain and its sentences are the problem. Because if your brain is the problem, your brain is the solution. As long as the problem is outside of you and caused by the world, the schedule, the kids, the things like that, the solution will always be outside of you and you'll have no control over it. So it'll feel like you're repeating this hamster wheel of a cycle where you just can't seem to get the hang of it. So if our thinking is, is what is creating this stress and anxiety and rush, great news. Our thinking is the solution. And I love that so much for you. So good. All right. Well, I thank you so much for being a, a willing guest to come on <laughs> and, and our first like live coaching session. I'm sure your vulnerability and your shares are going to be valuable. And I know I've worked with so many moms that struggle with that perfectionism and the rush in the morning is something that I know we all experience. It's just like, go, go, go. Things happen on time for a reason. So just different strategies to just recognize, like, if we could change one sentence, what could that do for your day? So any last words, anything else you wanted to share before we wrap up? No, thank you so much. This was so helpful. I have so many notes to look back on and be using in the next few weeks. I love this. All right, you guys, thank you so much for listening in and have a beautiful week. We'll see you next time. Bye. So you can probably see that the secret to changing any habit is really understanding your beliefs and your sentences in your head that are either keeping you in a current identity that's not working for you or the sentences that are making you feel a way that doesn't resonate, that doesn't feel good in your life. So it really starts by asking yourself, what are those sentences? that are preventing you from implementing the habits you want? And do you have this unwritten set of rules and guidelines that your brain is following that are preventing you from implementing at a sustainable level? So I hope that you can use everything that you learn and begin changing one small habit at a time. And also this episode has probably given you a pretty good look at what it looks like to work with me behind the scenes. You can see that so much of it is not about the how and the strategies, right? That is only one component of it. But so much of it is really allowing you to see the thoughts and the blocks that you weren't able to see before that are preventing you from being consistent and from implementing the health habits you want. So if you are feeling stuck and you want someone in your corner, not only holding you accountable, but helping you become sustainable and dig out all of those reasons that you're getting stuck, just like I did on the podcast today with Jordan, come on over to my calendar. It's at tanessashears.com slash call and book in a consultation call. Tell me what you're working through and we can see if we are a great fit to work together. So the link is in the description. Otherwise, tanessashears.com slash call and you can book in directly into my calendar and we can get going on your health. Take care. Bye.